I'm so glad you're joining us for this special episode of Street Soldiers on the Astro World Tragedy. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. Before we get into the show, we want to extend our condolences to everyone who lost loved ones and offer our prayers to their families. We're also sending prayers and positive energy to those who were injured in what has turned out to be one of the deadliest concerts in U.S. history. Nearly 50,000 people were out to have fun on Friday night, November 5th, 2021, and see their favorite hip-hop artists at the Astroworld Music Festival. The sold-out show was headlined and organized by hometown favorite hip-hop superstar Travis Scott and Live Nation at Energy Park in Houston. For reasons under investigation, around 9 p.m., a crowd surge quickly became a massive stampede that claimed the lives of at least nine people, ranging in age from 14 to 27. Most were students. Hundreds more were injured. Lucas Nakarati was close to the stage in the middle of the mayhem. He had to fight his way out and try to save others. So let me, let me, let's, let's go back to when you decided to you know, when you decided to leave, because you're at the front, you're close to the stage, you're seeing, tra- you know, you're close to where Travis Scott is going to be performing. And then you decide to, you know, you decide to leave because it's it's just getting, it's just getting too crazy. Like, what were you feeling as you're, as you're trying to make your way through that crowd that you could barely move through? I, I was just feeling, I was just, like I said, I was feeling like survival mode just had to kick in. Like I, I at this point, I need to get out of here or I'm going to die. And and I was just in so much pain that I just had to do whatever I could to just get out of there. And then what was the heat like there? Was it a hot day or a hot night there? It was actually pretty cold. <clears throat> it was it was pretty cold actually. And every a lot of that's the problem is a lot of people had jackets, a lot of people had double layers on, especially some of these girls. And I was the I was one of the I was just shirtless, completely shirtless, and I was sweating profusely i was just sweating like crazy because of how much it was literally like an oven i was under us and as soon as any small gap opened you could just feel this heat just rising so these girls that are shorter than i was definitely felt that firsthand and they that, that's why they were passing out suffering dehydrated and you couldn't do anything even if you, i feel like even if you had water in your backpack you probably could not get that you probably couldn't get back to the backpack oh no I, I, had, I had a drawstring i had like a little bag um and i can and it was just ripping my skin apart i just couldn't even hold it it was just getting pulled down so hard um until it started it started actually ripped on me and I, it was just i'm it doesn't matter what i left behind it, i was either that or my life so i decided to, i had to just get out of there tell me about that moment when you realized i have to get out of here because i could really die here right that's so that like um and that's when it was exactly when everyone just started just the beat dropped and everyone started trying to jump up and down, which we just really couldn't. And that's when my feet just started getting smushed up on and just crushed. And my shoes just got left behind. And when people behind me just started falling, um, and that that's exactly when I just realized I need to get out of here. This is not the vibe. I, someone's going to get seriously hurt here. So. And then tell me about what it felt like when you came, you know, when that second surge, that big surge started towards the stage. So that's when that's when everyone started falling. And then that's when I, I had to, unfortunately, I just felt when I when I when I almost fell and I realized that if I fall, I die. I just kicked my leg back. And I unfortunately just like I said, I had to I, all I felt was stepping on someone's chest and someone's shin bones. And I just felt whatever breaking under me. And it, I just had to push and just keep walking forward because 
if it was if it was it was either you know me falling back and getting crushed on or just keep walking and i and i had this girl that i had to try to help get out of there because she was she was looks like she was about to die too and then did you give her cp well i don't know how you could even give anybody cpr under those circumstances so she wasn't the girl that i gave cpr to the the cpr was towards what as we made our way towards the end of the crowd it starts spreading out just a little bit you know when you're right in the middle you're tightly packed towards right. the end it's, it's just a little bit more space and then i would say about 20 to 30 people from being free this girl as other girl started screaming and just screaming screaming and i was just listening like what, where's that coming from and i saw her come uh, right next to me uh, or well, she was a little bit, a couple people away, and she was like, "Please, please, someone help me! I can't breathe. I'm, I'm dying." And I'm like, "What?" I was just like, "What the heck?" And I, I saw her, and I grabbed, I like grabbed her, and she started fainting, and her eyes were just jittery. So as I grabbed her, I started just like holding her towards the end of the crowd. And so about 20 people out, uh, there was space enough where we could lay down. So I like put her down, and I started yelling at her because she started becoming unresponsive. And at that point, I, I was just like slapping her face. I was yelling at her. I started checking her pulse. I just didn't feel any kind of just anything. So I started giving her CPR for about a minute, about a minute and a half. And people are still running. They didn't really care. And after about a minute and a half, maybe two minutes, she became responsive again. And she just started breathing. Just She was just panicking. And some girls saw that and ran over to us. And I explained to her what happened very briefly. As I was looking for a security guard, I just look to my right and I see this guy just getting completely crushed on the floor. He just he looked like a lifeless body. So I ran to him because I just realized this girl's even if she's not okay, she's at least breathing. So I ran to the guy and I put my shoulder down and I just just moved two to three people away from him. I was able to drag him from under his armpits to where I could, at least to a spot where I could start giving him some CPR. His eyes were completely rolled back. His lips were just like dark. Um, he was just bloodied up. And uh, from just like his body and stuff, so or his legs were just destroyed too. And I started just giving him CPR, but he was not responding at all. He was just, it looked like he was dead already when I got him, but I was, I had to try it. And as I was giving him CPR, people were just like kicking me over. People were jump, trying to just go past, pushing me to the, to the floor. And the crowd started getting bigger from the back at that point. No, it was just nonstop because the scissor concert had ended and other people. And so everyone just started running to the stage. And after about a minute and a half, I, ha I realized I had to get out because people were starting to trample me over. And, and, and it was either, like I said, I stay there. The guy was unresponsive or I probably was going to be the next one. Do you, do you feel like you could ever go to another music festival again? Like me personally, I would go to Astro World again if you had it. I, I would just not go anywhere near the middle. I would be seen. I would have no problem seeing him from, even if he looked like an ant all the way in the back, I would be okay with that. There's big screens for a reason. I've been to so many other concerts and I've never had this issue. You know, Astroworld has, has been in the past and no one had this issue. So I would definitely do it again. I would just be significantly more aware of what's going on and more cautious. All right. Well, Lucas, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Dozens of lawsuits have already been filed. Later in the show, we'll get into the investigation. But when we come back, we'll hear from Sirius XM host Torre, who will give us an overview of Travis Scott's career. Yo, what up? This your homie Ace Hood, and this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real poly tricks, and real people only on Hot 97. Welcome back to this special episode of Street Soldiers on the Astroworld Tragedy. 
Travis Scott is one of the most successful hip-hop superstars with a huge fan base for his music and merchandise. Let's find out more from Sirius XM host Torre. The, um, give us a sense of Travis Scott, because he's one of the biggest hip-hop superstars that's out there right now. Just give us a sense of his career and where he's at and what, what he means to hip-hop. Man, you know, Travis obviously is just one of the biggest artists that we've seen. He's what you call a superstar, a megastar. You know, he's he's transcended genres, age groups, race, you know, any of those barriers. He's kind of blurred all of those lines with his audience. He's he's outside of the music that he sells and does extremely well. I mean, we've seen the merch fly off the shelves, the sneakers, people camp out for days, his partnerships with various brands like McDonald's. Like he can sell anything. He's a mega super rap star, super rock star. And, um, you know, him having a festival of that magnitude also just speaks volumes to his celebrity and fan base. So he's also a businessman as well, a very savvy businessman, it sounds like. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think his team has capitalized on the success of not only his music, but the fact that people relate to him, the, pe- the fact that people tap into what he's doing so much. You know, obviously music was the launch pad for all of it, but they quickly saw that it was much more than just an average recording artist. Like he, again, just that mega star could sell anything, could brand anything. And um, his his team, you know, was able to take that and, and run with it so crazily. Now, you, you're approached by many aspiring artists and many new artists who try to get you to play their music and pay attention to them and get to know them. What is it about him that magnetize so many millions of fans so quickly and put him at that level? You know, I mean, I for as quick as it was, I do remember the buildup. I remember, you know, days before rodeo into that project and, you know, into birds in the trap into, you know, just like I've seen it grow and granted, you know, it's grown to the hugest of heights, but, you know, there's footage out there with Travis doing smaller shows. So his audience grew with him as his popularity grew. And even as his first projects came out, everyone just got bigger and bigger. I remember seeing him on the top of the tank at, you know, the the award show. I, I don't know if it was BT Awards or whatever, but when I saw that performance, that's when I knew he was different. And I knew he was going to be around for a while. And what is it about him in terms of his live performances that just galvanizes audiences so much? Man, I mean, for lack of a better term, it's like a cult-like following. Like, you know, he he gives so much energy. Obviously, the music resonates with the audience, but then just everything else that comes with it, you know, the lights, the fire, the smoke, the the fact that he climbs to, you know, the top of it, you know, he just he just really gives it all. It's not your average walk across the stage, hold my genitalia, you know, like he's a true performer. And a lot of energy, too, that appeals to a very young audience as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the energy is sky high. You know, those kids march, they jump, they rage, they go bananas. And and again, man, it's so unfortunate what took place at Astroworld because that's when, like, the culmination of all that good just goes really, really left. Now, one of the things about him, too, was or is the, his commitment to his hometown of Houston, because this was the third year that he did the festival. First two years, everything went smoothly. And it was his kind of way of getting back and also bringing in some big names there to show some love to the Houston fans. 
For sure. I mean, he's he's definitely somebody who continues to support home, go back, you know, various charitable events. There's a lot of give back. He's at all of the Rockets games. You know, he's out at the Astros, you know, when they were just in the World Series. He, he waves that flag, you know, very, very high, you know, and he does a lot to give back and be a part of his community, not be apart from it, but be a part of it. And how unique is that for somebody of his stature? And then especially because of his relationship with Kylie Jenner and being in that whole super celebrity stratosphere as well. Yeah, you know, it's difficult. It's a tough line to walk when you are a superstar because you can't just go to the mall. You can't just pull up. But anywhere he goes, you know, the the audience is quickly attracted. You know, the people quickly follow him. But that didn't, from my seeing, didn't deter him from still being at home and still being, you know, in town and still giving a lot of himself. A lot of hip hop now is national and international, but those roots, you know, coming from still identifying with a particular hometown, how important is that to fans in terms of conveying his authenticity? I mean, that just makes them love him even more at home. You know, obviously he's a worldwide star, you know, it's, it's, it's bigger than Houston, it's bigger than just the U.S., but that that interaction with that home base just makes it that much more authentic. And I think people really appreciate that. Obviously the people back in Houston and Texas as a whole, but I think that those things are what we love about certain artists that are able to, you know, they say you can't go back home, but yeah, maybe not hang out in the hood, but go back home and give back and do positive things that generate money that put smiles on people's faces in the communities that you come from. And then in, in terms of this tragic incident, obviously our condolences go out to everyone who lost someone and to, to the people that were injured. It was just atypical of things that have happened in the past. Do you think this is going to put a damper on large venue hip hop events You know, moving forward, just especially now as so many things are really getting going again and people are just happy to be out? For sure. Um, you know, I mean, insurance was already high. You know, but again, this is these are the reasons why, like, when I'm at a show and I see a lot of security, I'm like, man, there's so much security. But this is why you need to have security with proper training. This is why you need to have medical staff with proper training. And, you know, as much as hip hop doesn't want police presence there, you know, if that brings the wrong kind of energy, you still need something in place to to ensure that these things don't happen. When you have that many people and that much space with that much energy. And it's just a lot. It's so, it's like, it's for things to not go wrong. It takes a bunch of people doing the right thing at the right time. And unfortunately this is what happened when everything is not in place properly. And have you had experiences where you've been at large venues or what, and whatever, and you go like, wait a minute, there's, there's a lot of people here and not quite enough security and things are a little bit too tight. I mean, you know, I, I try to stay away from just a big crowd. You know, I don't want to be in the mosh pit. You know, I don't I'm not the fancy guy, but right. put me in the VIP section where it's a little more tame, because as much as I enjoy watching the show from the audience and feeling that energy when certain artists perform, it just gets so chaotic. It gets so crazy that it's just safer, and easier to be away from that that general admission audience. And then in terms of Travis. He put out a, a message right away to his fans that he how upset he was about what had happened, how sad he was. He's pledged to help the victims' families. Do you think that this will incident will 
tarnish his career opportunities moving forward? Or do you think this is just these are things that happen and you can't lay it all on the artists because they're the ones that the most that are the most famous? Right. I mean, it's, it's really tough to say. I think that a thorough investigation is going to be needed because, you know, you see footage and you see certain things from certain perspectives. And obviously people who were there starting to write, you know, about their experience as well. But you really before you can place the blame anywhere, because my personal opinion is that a lot of mistakes were made. Like this doesn't happen because one person does the wrong thing. I think a lot of mistakes were made and until they do like a thorough investigation, you're not gonna fully know the magnitude of what happened or why, you know, like this domino effect happened of, of just, you know, a, a huge entire tragedy. Exactly, and like a lot of the concerts, that the big concerts that we see in New York and New Jersey, there's there's paramedics that are on standby in case somebody passes out or had too much to drink or yeah. it's heat exhaustion or whatever. There's right. lo There's local police, there's private security, there's venue security, right. there's certain pathways you know you can't just like jump a fence and and get in either you know yeah yeah i mean when i saw the the breach at like that vip entrance earlier in the day i said man this is an indication of what's to come and it's so unfortunate because at that moment when you already have people at the venue you have people who paid it's almost impossible to cancel the show because that can incite a riot just as much as you know things that happen and you know that 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 took place but that was just a really big indication of what was to come. And again, man, it's unfortunate and so tragically so. No, definitely. And hopefully lessons will be learned from this. And um, do you think it will have an impact as, you know, on future concerts, hip hop concerts, especially? I'm pretty sure, you know, I mean, hip hop is always public enemy number one. So this just gives venues and, you know, places and people reasons to say they don't want to book hip hop. But you know, I, like things like this is just it's just a freak. You know, it's a freak occurrence um, because, again, you have so many moving parts. It has to be so many things that go right to ensure that this doesn't happen. But rock concerts get crazy. You yes, know. they do. And there have been tragedies at, at Absolutely. those concerts also. Yeah. For sure. And it's not to point the, the blame or point fingers, but it's not an isolated, just a hip hop because that crowd was so rowdy because we've seen it at various other concerts and various other genres of music. But again, hip hop is going to have to pay and have to take a brunt of it. Um, and rightfully so, because again, things just weren't done properly to my, to my understanding. Um, but again, it shouldn't shy away from people getting out and having a good time, especially with us just coming off a of lockdown. People just wanted to get out and right. be around friends and fun and enjoy music and just get back to some sense of normalcy. And there's been a, a ton of concerts that went off without a hitch. Big festivals like Rolling Loud. You guys just had Summer Jam. So, you know, it's, this is not the norm. This is this is definitely right. just like a freak occurrence that, that was tragic and shouldn't have took place. No, definitely. And hip hop will go on. The music will go on. And hopefully, whatever the genre, there'll be proper safeguards in place so everyone can have a good time and just really let loose and enjoy themselves in a safe manner. Yeah, yeah, that's what it's about, getting out and having a good time and having fun. Um, man, I just want to send again, man, condolences out to the people who lost a loved one, um, anybody who was directly affected. Obviously, us as a music community are all affected, but the right. people who were, you know, directly impacted and, and suffered loss, I just want to send condolences and love out to them. Oh, definitely. Ture, thank you so much for being with us. We Lisa, thank you it. so much. Coming up, 
We'll find out what the Houston police chief has to say about all this. Hey, what up, y'all? This is Lloyd, the King of Hearts, and this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, and real people only on Hot 9-7. You dig? Welcome back to this special episode of Street Soldiers on the Astroworld tragedy. One of the biggest questions about the tragedy is who dropped the ball? Houston police had more than 500 officers at the concert, three times the number they had the first year, and about double what they had in 2019 when three people were trampled and injured. Here's Houston Police Chief Troy Finner speaking at a press conference five days after the tragedy. There's nothing more important than the families. We have eight families who lost loved ones. We have two families that have loved ones in the hospital uh, in critical condition. So I want to be respectful of that. Um, There's been a lot of talk, a lot of rumors, a lot of opinions, a lot of speculations. And where it's not helpful and it's harmful to the families, when it's authorities that's saying that, everybody has their role in society, and I respect those roles. But I also expect us to be decent and consider those families. And that includes our Houston-Harris County officials. The rumors, speculations, your opinions, let them be that. But let us conduct our investigation. Um, I just want us to all, as a city, as a nation, pray for these families. Can't imagine what they're going through right now. So I ask everyone to allow us to let the investigation lead us to the facts as to what, how, and why this occurred. As police chief, I can promise you one thing, my team, we're gonna be laser focused on investigating the facts, not pointing fingers at other organizations. Again, assumptions and opinions are not helpful. Our detectives will focus on facts and evidence to include the actions of all parties, including our agency. We will not investigate this case in the media, nor at press briefings. I hope everyone understands and respects that. As I speak, our detectives are meeting with our partners of the Harris County Institute of Forensic Sciences, autopsies and toxicology tests. It takes some time before that's completed. Understand we won't have the causes a manner of death right away. Our detectives have been working around the clock, and I want to thank them. Proud of the work that they're doing. They have viewed hours of video from the air, from the ground, and witness and gather statements from numerous witnesses and victims. And there's still more to come. Let me talk about um, our role with the FBI. Is that question has come up a lot over the past couple of days. Those are our partners. And my partner, Perry Turner, the FBI SAC of the Houston region, we talk about all major cases. That's the kind of partnership we have. Um, If we need, and when we need their assistance, he's there. We have a meeting scheduled for, I think, sometime Friday. And um, he's there. FBI and all other federal partners. Just to be clear, HPD Homicide is investigating this case. They were taking a lead on it. My goal here again now 
again, it's not to cast blame on any organization, but update you to some aspects of the investigation. First of all, and most importantly, this is not a City of Houston sanctioned event. It's a Harris County sanctioned event. A lot of talk been discussed about the original contract. City of Houston, Houston Police Department did not take part of writing that or agreeing to the original contract. Harris County, NRG, and Live Nation participated in that. Saturday, I spoke of some numbers, and uh, someone asked about uh, the previous numbers. Let me give those to you. In 2018, um, there were 170 officers that worked at event. 2019, we increased to 240. This year, the number was 500, around 530. The investigation into the security of Live Nation, the security personnel, I'm not comfortable with numbers yet what they're giving us. The challenge is you have three or four security companies, and some of the records are not good. So I'm not comfortable with laying out a number. That's going to be part of the investigation. Questions asked to the roles of law enforcement. As any other event, law enforcement, and always on this event, traffic enforcement, our roles, traffic management, securing the per perimeter. Big thing and a big challenge was merchandise tents. Uh, very sought after merchandise. That's what caused some of the kids rushing towards that and, and breaking barriers, breaking down barriers. The role of uh, Live Nation. They had many roles out there, but one role was to secure what we refer to as mosh pits. There were two of them directly in front of the stage. Early stages of our investigation, statements have been revealed to HPD personnel. I'm sorry, HPD personnel told necessary personnel of the performance in charge that CPR was successfully, I'm sorry, was underway on one or more individuals. They were told that. We communicated that to them. The time and the actions of the personnel in charge of the performance or the production team who received that information, I'm not going to speak to the reasons or the time, and that's, that's, that's a part of the investigation. And we're not here to confirm or deny those accounts. In terms of the security guard that I discussed on Saturday, if you can remember, members of the um, medical team in the medical tent said that a male security guard had come in and said that somebody had pricked his neck and we felt that it could have been uh, something ingested. We did locate that security guard. His story is not consistent with that. He says he was struck in his head. He went unconscious. He woke up in the security tent. He says that no one injected um, drugs in him. So we want to clear that part up. I'm a 54-year-old man, 32 years on this. I meet a lot of people. I was born and raised in here in Houston. So if you if if somebody's referring to a special relationship, if you call meeting him twice, special relationship, and I'm not being smart, I just want to be open and transparent. Uh, that's not a close relationship to me. I've only spoken to him twice. The mayor of Houston, Sylvester Turner, says no stone will be left unturned in their investigation. We'll have more on this when we come back.
What up, this is Trey Songz and this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, real people, only on Hot 97. Welcome back to this special episode of Street Soldiers on the Astroworld tragedy. Investigators combed the concert field for days, going through items left behind in the mayhem, including phones. I spoke with John Jay College of Criminal Justice Professor Ralph Salento. He's a former NYPD lieutenant commander of a detective unit and says social media will play a big role in figuring out what went wrong. When you look at this terrible tragedy that happened at this music festival, what strikes you most about it? Well, the shock of the loss of life. I mean, when people go to a concert like that, they're expecting a good time. You don't expect anybody to get hurt. And uh, to have uh, especially such young people hurt as uh, word of someone very young passing away and dozens more injured. And, you know, you don't expect that when you go to a concert to uh, celebrate an artist and have a good time. So that's shocking in itself. And then in terms of some of the things that law enforcement and police do with these large events, give us an idea of, of what's typically done and what you were involved with with the NYPD, what the NYPD did. Well, there has to be uh, great coordination with uh, event staff and security administrators and local law enforcement partners. Uh, it seems in this case that they did do that. They had uh, several prior meetings and they had uh, at least doubled uh, their staffing from a prior incident at this location where people were not killed, but also hurt from a crush of crowd. So you have to uh, see to certain things, uh, especially uh, access and points of egress, uh, security station and certain personnel. There has to be access for emergency vehicles. We learned from prior mass casualty events at concerts and sporting events uh, that there was no uh, avenue, there was no access for emergency vehicles. That doesn't seem to be the case here. So it seems like all the initial steps uh, were taken, including coordination with uh, local law enforcement and event staff. And then how common are these kind of you know, mass casualties at sporting events, at music events, that type of thing? Well, one thing is for sure, they're less common when there is assigned seating for everybody. Uh, once you, uh, you'll find that a lot of these events uh, in history where there's a crush of a crowd uh, is from general admission, where there's uh, a mosh pit or there's some seating on the outside, but there's like a, a lawn or a general uh, seating area. And, and that, uh, because there's no assigned seating there, there's no one ticket, one seat, uh, there tends to be everybody pushing up against the stage. And you'll find that more common. And then in, ter in terms of, you know, the entrances and the exits, a lot of times these events, they, they worry about the entrance because they want to make sure everybody who comes in has a ticket. But a lot of times it, there seems to be less concern about how does everybody get out? Right. That's exactly right. Lisa. And what they what they could do is to have uh, egress emergency arteries where if the crowd pushes up to the front, uh, you can have overflow pens or you can have uh, alleys, uh, egress alleys where uh, event staff can usher out uh, mass quantities of people at the same time uh, simultaneously, I should say, uh, out the sides, stage right and stage left and uh, have traffic only going in one direction. So that if there's a rush, uh, these uh, egress arteries will open and the crowd can push out. And then in terms of the um, on-site staff, like they, they said there were hundreds of Houston police officers there, hundreds more uh, uh, private security guards. Right. Uh, how, many, how many people, do, is it the number of personnel that you have that keeps an event like this safe or is it the actual layout of it? 
Well, it's a lot of coordination. Of course, it's the number of personnel, but there has to be uh, coordination with access and egress. There has to be coordination with uh, event staff uh, security training. Uh, there has to be uh, access for emergency vehicles. As far as uh, coordinating with the crowd itself, you have to have a, a sustainable and robust public address system so that you can speak to the crowd, uh, whether that's done uh, live through uh, uh, pro audio services or whether there's a concert app or some way through social media to connect with the crowd uh, or, you know, through local radio stations ahead of time if the event is sold out. And so all those things have to be working uh, as one, uh, you know, one smooth mechanism in order to prevent things like this. Uh, I, uh, I read that uh, Travis Scott actually himself uh, urged the crowd several times to calm down and then make way, make space for uh, EMS personnel, medical personnel to come in and help people. So he has the biggest microphone at the event. Uh, right. He's the artist. So uh, there are several accounts of Travis Scott himself asking the crowd to calm down, stopping the entertainment to allow uh, emergency personnel to come in, which is, you know, kudos to him. And one of the things that the public safety officials are saying in Houston is that they're looking into what caused the initial stampede. Now, we've seen concerts and, and other events, public events in the past where somebody fires off a gun or they set off a firecracker that right. people think is a gun or, a, you know, a car backfires or whatever. And that sets off the stampede. That doesn't seem to be the case from what the reports that we're getting now. But it does seem some people began to have seizures the Houston police chief said there was one security guard that had a needle stick in his neck, passed out immediately and was revived with Narcan. Mm -hmm. What kinds of things do investigators look at? Um, you know, did, how and how important is it for you to try to get to the, the root cause of what began that stampede in the first place? OK, so there could be two things going on at the same time. Right. They could be the rush of the crowd and this this uh, allegation that uh, a security guard was stabbed in the neck. Uh, that would be a separate, independent criminal investigation. I, I don't think that I think the two things are coexisting, but they may not be related. So in this case, in order to investigate that, it is a very, very arduous process. So they're going to have to go through all the available video that they have. And what is crucial, crucial, crucial in this case to find out what are we really trying to find out? Right. What happened? And a crucial step in this case is to have investigators monitor social media. Everyone has a video camera in their phone. They're all posting to social media platforms. Uh, I, I guarantee you somebody's doing it already from law enforcement is monitoring all these social media platforms to find out who's talking, who has footage of it, who claims to be a witness to it. Those people have to be tracked down, uh, located. Uh, you have to appeal to their sense of community service. And I'm sure they're not happy that somebody was killed either. And so the the crush of the crowd where people are suffocating and not able to breathe and the allegation of criminal uh, conduct where the security guard may have been stabbed by a needle uh, necessitating Narcan to revive him. Those are two separate things that need to be investigated at the same time. And then are law enforcement investigators capable of putting together, let's say, a timeline from the social media postings? Well, yeah, that's one of the great uh, that's one of the great benefits of social media is uh, if there is video footage uh, that can be gotten, you know, those video that video footage is timestamped. So they know when certain things occurred. Uh, you, you need to get 
cooperative witnesses. Uh, of course, there are always going to be people who do not want to speak to the police, but there are tons of people that do want to speak to the police that are equally outraged that young people or anybody for that matter would lose their life when they go to see a concert, right? So it's supposed to be a happy event. So right. people will come forward if you appeal to their greatest sense of civic good, uh, whatever kind of concert you're at. And obviously Travis Scott we hear is, is very upset by it also. Uh, so I don't think anybody expects this. So there's two separate incidents. There's the investigation of what started the rush and uh, the crush of people. And there's also the investigation into criminal conduct which is what the case would be if that security guard was stabbed with a, uh, an illegal drug. And I don't think that's been confirmed yet. I think they're trying to uh, get information and access video and eyewitness accounts, interview witnesses at the hospital. And uh, it's, it's going to be a big job, but uh, lo local law enforcement can do it. And then in, in terms of the actual layout of the venue, how much will that be investigated? Will they be looking at, or what, and what will they be looking at in terms of the layout of the venue? Well, the big thing, uh, as I said, is general admission. General admission uh, is where you have problems like this. So uh, will they choose to put uh, seating? Uh, will they choose to hold it somewhere else? Uh, you know, all good questions. But it seems as though uh, there were people jumping uh, uh, barrier fences and things of that nature. So all of that investigation is going to have to be done about how to find out what the root causes were of this, uh, the initial crush of people, uh, find out what the root causes are, uh, redefine your parameters as far as how many attendees you're going to allow to have, are going to be allowed to attend. And, um, you know, the, the, the cooperation with uh, local law enforcement and the uh, venue staff, which I heard is robust based on everything I've learned about this. It's robust. They were they had pre meetings uh, and they were prepared. But, you know, 50,000 people is a lot of people. So you want to minimize the possibility that something like this is going to happen. And all you could do is your best. And uh, if it seems clear that they did that, then next time you do an event like this, you have to make changes that may include the elimination of general admission. And giving people a sign. So from what you're able to tell, they, they seem to have taken pretty much the correct steps. From everything I've seen so far, they have taken the correct steps because, uh, as we discussed earlier, there was a prior incident there in 2019, I think, where some people were hurt but not killed. And, and they, they, they redid their security framework. Uh, the, uh, the uh, security infrastructure, if you will, of the event, how it was going to be handled. I think they at least doubled the staff, the police officers, and then private security. They had pre-meetings. So it seems like they did everything right. So the investigation is going to be what started this rush of people. No one reported hearing a gunshot, not to right. my knowledge. So I mean, uh, something started this rush of people. Uh, so that needs to be investigated in the ways that we talked about through social media, to uh, through appealing to the community and say, if anybody has information, please come forward. I think we would all be presently surprised uh, that we believe in uh, people's general nature to do the right thing. And I think in an event like this where people got hurt, especially young people lost their lives, I think that we're underestimating the community's a willingness to come forward and say, you know, and give their eyewitness accounts. And it's going to be a long process of interviewing witnesses, uh, reviewing video, uh, reviewing social media, 
follow-up interviews with event staff and security. Uh, and I think that they'll get to the bottom of it. And I believe that they'll make necessary changes. And is there one question that you would like answered right away from that investigation or one thing that you're just like, I really need to know this or I'd really like to know this? Well, I would certainly like to have the answer as to what stabbed the security guard, uh, who did it and what was inside that needle if it did occur. And that person needs to be located and prosecuted. All right, Ralph, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, We appreciate it. Of course. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers on the Astroworld Tragedy. Special thanks to Hot 97 DJ Mike Medium for all the extra work making this episode possible. If you have questions or comments, please post them on my Instagram page, at Lisa Evers Verified. Remember, use your mind. It's your best weapon. I'm Lisa Evers. Let's push for peace, love, and justice for all.